the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, March the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On March 23rd, 1919, Benito Mussolini founded the fascist political movement. It started in Milan, Italy, and spread. Today, in 1775, Patrick Henry delivered an address to the Virginia Provincial Convention. The speech was powerful, but the words most remembered from the speech, he declared, give me liberty or give me death. Today, in 1806, explorers Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, having reached the Pacific coast, they began their journey back east. I've read some of their journals, and um, they were not impressed with the Northwest. I think they spent the winter on the North Oregon coast. I'm pretty sure that's where their last camp was. They did not like this place, the Northwest, and they did not like the weather. They thought it was beautiful, but the weather was intolerable. In fact, one of them wrote in their journal, the weather is not fit for man or beast. So they headed back to the Midwest. Today, in 1933, the German Reichstag adopted the Enabling Act, which effectively granted Adolf Hitler dictatorial powers. Today, in 2010, claiming a historic triumph, President Barack Obama signed the Affordable Care Act. We know it as Obamacare. It was a $938 billion health care scheme that began to become unraveled very soon thereafter. Ten years ago today, urging Americans to do some soul-searching, President Barack Obama injected himself into the emotional debate over the fatal shooting of Trayvon Martin in Florida. As president, he went on the air, and he told America that, quote, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. I don't know if he what his motives were, but the outcome of that was just to stir the pot that was already boiling. The President of the United States did not need to come out with that kind of a comment. And again, I don't know his heart. God knows the man's heart. I don't, but I certainly would say that did not help. If he was trying to help the black cause, it didn't. So many things that he did, did not help. Well, the the hearing is continuing on the next person to be on the Supreme Court of the United States, candidate, candidate Joe Biden promised that if he were elected president of the United States, he would appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. He followed through on that. He has done so. Georgetown Day School It's a private pre-kindergarten through 12th grade. 
this Judge Kentaja Brown Jackson sits on the board of, of uh, trustees. She's the one that he nominated. It teaches a radical critical theory pedagogy. It boasts on its website, quote, everyone will engage in the work of social justice within all aspects of school life. Judge Jackson would be required to support that and promote that as a member of the board, of course. During her second day of questioning yesterday by senators, Judge Jackson took questions from a number of Republicans pertaining to her opinion on critical race theory. It was based on that. She's on the board. She truly, surely believes in what the school believes in, and they're very vocal and very upfront about what they believe. They're all in on critical race theory and that whole movement. So people like Senator Ted Cruz began asking her questions about it. He began to probe her race essentialist list and uh, the materials that were being taught at this Georgetown Day School, which wouldn't have come up had she not been on the board. But because she is on the board, it makes it very, very important, as Ted Cruz said, and rightly so. He asked about the book Anti-Racist Baby that's written by this Ibram X. Kendi. He's the guy that kind of created this movement of, of um, and he's the one that's profiting from it, I might add, it, it, exponentially making millions off of it. But he's the guy that came up with this whole critical race theory movement. I mean, he wrote books and he's written a lot of material that they use in schools across the country now to promote this. But uh, teaching anti-race baby, though, is not the only radical material that's being pushed on these children at this school where Judge Jackson sits on the on the board. This uh, The school brags about its far-left curriculum in its 2021-22 high-profile high school curricular highlights, they call it. It showcases a course, for instance, about exploring reproductive justice. Well, we know that that's a code word for abortion. And a ninth-grade seminar flagship social justice course that serves as a launching point for Georgetown Day School high school education. The school hosted a speech. This came out in the hearing yesterday as well. The host, uh, the school hosted this speech in September of 2020 by a Dr. Dina Simmons. It was called Self-Care, Healing, and Equity Responsive Practices. And the seminar, the speech, and, and the following seminar discussed and explored opening the door for our continued anti-racist work. <clears throat> it seems to be the point of the spear of the whole issue of the school and what they're up to. When Judge Jackson was asked by Senator Ted Cruz about whether she agrees with kids at the school she sets on the board of trustees of being taught that babies are racist, she looked him in the eye and she looked the camera in the eye. And this is where the, the, the true color of progressivism becomes so clear. She looked at him, she looked at the at the hearing, the people in the hearing, and she looked at the camera and she began to denounce everything that she stands for that this school promotes publicly. They're not like doing it, you know, undercover. And she's on the board. She denounced critical race theory. She called it a pedagogy. She said, quote, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist and though they are not and they are not valued or they are less than, that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I do not believe in any of that. 
If she doesn't believe in it, why is she on the board of a school that that is their banner? That is what they are. That's how they define themselves. I found it interesting. She was also asked by a conservative yesterday if she could define a woman. <laughs> it caught her off guard. And I looked at the video, and <clears throat> she said, she didn't know how, what to say to that because, of course, if she described a woman in, in just in normal terms, they would be biblical terms because God created male and female. And they, are, of course, are denying that with this new movement. And um, her answer was, she said, well, I'm not a biologist. That is just a snapshot of what the Supreme Court at least one person of those nine people will look like because I think the Democrats have enough votes to approve her without any Republican vote coming their way. It didn't sound like to me that any Republicans would vote for her, but who knows? These people are unpredictable, and sometimes we think they're going to act in one way when we elect them, and we find that they don't. But that's what happened, kind of an overview of what happened yesterday. I've been keeping an eye on that, and I'm sure you may have been as well. This last weekend, there were nine mass shootings, according to the New York Times, and that's probably true. There were a number of them. The New York Times says this morning that many crime experts define a mass shooting as an event in which four or more people are shot. Last weekend, there were a shocking number of them, again, at least nine of them across the United States. In Norfolk, Virginia, an argument outside a pizzeria led to a <clears throat> shooting that killed two people, including a 25-year-old newspaper reporter. He was just standing there, wasn't involved in it. In the farming community, uh, community of Dumas, Arkansas, a gunfight broke out at the annual car show, killed one person, injured 27. In downtown Austin, Texas, four people suffered gunshot wounds during a final weekend of the South by Southwest Festival. That's a music festival. It's a big deal. We can't endure this anymore. The New York Times in quote, quotes Dan Gelber, the mayor of Miami Beach. He said that after two shootings last weekend, it led the city to impose a midnight curfew. So the New York Times is asking this morning, what explains the crime wave? They answer the question themselves in part. They say social isolation and frustration because of the pandemic. I think there is some, some thread of truth in that. This pandemic has brought a lot of emotions to the surface across the nation, particularly the way it's been handled by the CDC and, of course, Dr. Fauci all over the place. They're this today and that tomorrow. I mean, there's no consistency to what they've been saying. And most everybody has figured that out by now. <clears throat> but gun crime isn't the only kind of violent crime that's rising. Criminologists and historians who have studied these crime waves, and to their credit, the New York Times quotes a bit from these three guys, but they're pretty well known in the field of criminology and the history of criminology. It's Gary LaFree and Richard Rosenfeld and Randolph Roth, and I'm not endorsing them, but I do read what they write, agree with some of it. But they point out that often when people are feeling frustrated with society, there's deep division on beliefs, and and when they begin to lose um, 
confidence in institutions of government. Crime spikes. And they go back and they, they talk about this. And they, in fact, Roth says, looking at homicide rates in the United States and Western Europe over the past 400 years, he says crime tends to increase if people lose trust in society's institutions and basic fairness. He said the American crime increases like in, in the 1970s. We're a good example. We're seeing that again. He does not say, nor would the New York Times ever say, but I'll say, when the left is in power, and what they're confirming, when the left is in power, we lose confidence in our institutions. It happened during the Jimmy Carter years. Jimmy Carter, you know, thankfully was telling the press and the world that he was born again. He was a Christian. That was wonderful. He pointed people to scriptures in the New Testament, one thing or another. But his policies were so far from what he claimed to believe, much like our leadership today, a Catholic and a Protestant, but very much the same. They were so far from what he believed that it created confusion in the, in the, in the culture. I watched that as a young man. I, I learned a lot from that. It, it, in fact, it, it kind of confirmed some of the things that some of the beliefs that I had as, as a young man back in those days. But I will tell you that we're seeing that all over again. As Yogi Berra, the baseball player, once said, it's deja vu all over again. And that's why there's a loss of confidence. The experts are saying this without saying it out loud, but it's true. When when we when when righteousness is in power, when righteousness rules, the Bible tells us the people are joyful. There's happiness. There's contentment. Not everybody, but generally. But when unrighteousness rules, and I, I'm not judging Carter or Biden or Obama, I'm not judging their heart. God judges their heart. But I. I can clearly, I'm smart enough to see what they're doing and what they did as president and the policies they pursued and the way they pursued them and the things that they put importance on and the things that they devalued were in absolute contradiction to God's word and American tradition because we were founded with God's word open on the table as they wrote the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, for that matter, because they made many references during their working years of creating our founding documents. So you look at this and you say, yeah, that's why crime is spiking, because we have lost confidence in our institutions. Can it be restored? It can be. But we are reaching a point in America where one asks, can a true conservative be elected? To the White House? Can a true conservative be elected as governor of Washington State or Oregon State or California? God's in control. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews chapter 10. Some of you have memorized this, hopefully. It says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Paul wrote 
being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is working in our lives. There's so many verses in the Bible. That's only a few of them that talk about us having confidence, not based on our institutions, not based on who's in office, although we certainly want certain people to be elected to office. But it's not based on that. Our confidence, our confidence is in the Lord. And God gives us confidence because he is absolutely the truth, the infallible, the inerrant, his word, truth. And that's what we stand on, and that's what we base our confidence on. That's what we build our lives, our lives upon. I got this note in the mail just recently. I want to share it with you a little handwritten note. It says, Gary, sorry for not contributing regularly through last winter. It was the hardest winter of my life in several ways. She doesn't go into how it was hard, but I recognize that. She said, I applaud your stance. You are one of my encouragers to continue regular prayer at Planned Parenthood in Kennewick. 40 Days for Life is happening all over the world right now. Our being, people are being saved. Babies are being saved. Praise for saved babies. Praise God for your ministry. Thank you. This person consistently prays for God's power and God's might to come against the slaughter of unwanted, unborn children in America because they're inconvenient. We all need to pray for that. And those of us who are called to do so should stand outside Planned Parenthood and stand against evil, as this person is doing, and apparently has been doing for quite some time. If I can be any, any kind of inspiration to that and other acts of taking a stand for Jesus Christ and God's righteousness, I will die a happy man, because that's what my life is about. Try to please God in all that we do and say. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Walt Disney has presented itself over the years as Walt Disney himself created the company as the happiest place on earth. It has been. Sometimes it still is. But the employees are not happy at this empire called Disney. Yesterday they declared that it was a day of walkout from their jobs. Thousands of them, tens of thousands of them, were told to walk out by the leadership in the ranks of the employees. It was all over a bill that they have <clears throat> they have dubbed Don't Groom Kids Laws. They're calling it a walkout day against those who hate gays. Employees across the country had declared yesterday to be a walkout day. They wanted to protest the lack of support from Disney for the, and I'm going to read this. I, this is how they define themselves now, the homosexual movement, LGBTQIA2+. Anyway, 
That's what they're promoting. All of those letters mean things. I know what some of them mean. Some of them I don't know what they mean, but I do know what the movement is about. It is in rebellion to Almighty God who created us as male and female. It's interesting how the way Disney is trying to respond to this, and that's what I wanted to talk to you for a moment about this morning. It's in the news, and it will be. It continue to be. But there's an interesting proverb in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 27. The Bible says, Whoever digs a pit shall fall therein. And he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. In an effort to play for both teams, both sides of the issue, this Florida Disney CEO has dug himself a pit. And he's fallen into it. He's made a fool of himself, actually, and now he's groveling before the world and before all the employees, tens of thousands. I don't know how many employees Disney has. It's a bunch. But he's rolled this stone, and now it's returned. And a a look at him and how he's groveling with this, he tried to remain silent and just sort of skate through it and not take a position. Every time we try to not take a position, we take one. And it becomes worse than just believing in something and standing for it and let the chips fall where they will, particularly if you believe the truth. That's why Jesus himself, who is the truth, said, those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. We're free because we're standing on God's truth in our lives. We're imperfect. We don't represent the truth. He is the truth, but we embrace that truth. Whether it has to do with Disneyland or your farm or your downtown business or whatever it is. We take positions based on truth. And Jesus, God's word, is truth. So when we take these positions, it may be difficult and there may be a lot of persecution that goes against us over those positions. But in the end, we don't have the confusion and we don't end up falling into the pit that we dug. And that is ancient wisdom in God's word. But that's where the CEO, in my opinion, that's where he is. He's in the pit. These activist Disney employees and their allies, they're calling this bill the don't say gay bill, but it's actually a bill to restore parental authority in the state of Florida regarding what K through third graders are taught about human sexuality in Florida schools. It's the same conversation that Ted Cruz and others are having with this nominee, Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court that we talked about just a moment ago. Many parents have said that the curriculum that's been used was actually grooming children, not educating them. I totally agree, 100%. That's what it does. It grooms children. This material that Jackson, Judge Jackson, is endorsing by virtue of being on the board of that school in D.C., a private school. And thankfully, Ted Cruz and other Republican conservatives are calling it calling it out in this hearing. But that same curriculum is being used across the country. And they are fighting tooth and nail to not have it removed from school. And that's what this is about in Florida. It's facilitated by activist educators and people on the boards of these schools like Ms. Jackson. The local NBC affiliate got on this story. I mean, Disney's a pretty big news item anytime. WESH, the NBC affiliate, they must be out of Orlando. 
They said the controversial bill nicknamed the Don't Say Gay Bill by critics passed the Florida Senate now heads to Governor Ron DeSantis' desk for signing. I will tell you in advance, I haven't spoken to Governor DeSantis, but he has said at least a dozen times that I have heard, put the bill on my desk and it's signed. They know that. The bill will ban teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity in grades K through 3. It also empowers parents, the TV station says. It, it empowers parents by adding that those topics cannot be taught in a way that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students according to state standards. A parent can also sue a district, school district, for violations. That is a big deal because no school district wants a lawsuit. They'll go to the end of the earth, they'll jump off a cliff to avoid that. If you're an atheist or a homosexual activist or an abortion activist, they will run from you if you threaten to sue them. But the parents have been have not had that clear path to suing a school for indoctrinating their children, which once a child has been indoctrinated, you can't unindoctrinate them as they're introduced to these things that they ought not to be introduced to, like transgenderism and all that nonsense. So that's what this is about. So all this matter began to heat up when Disney released this statement. All of a sudden, the statement comes out because they were trying to be silent. So the CEO of Disney comes out and he says this, quote, To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disney Parks Experiences and Products is committed to creating experiences that support family values for every family and will not stand for discrimination in any form. We oppose any legislation that infringes on basic human rights and stand in solidarity and support with our LGBTQAI plus whatever cast, crew, and Imagineers. Imagineers, that would be the creative ones, of course, and fans who make their voices heard today and every day. Well, that wasn't enough. The homosexual advocates and the activists came back and said, what do you mean? We want more than that. That's just words. So the CEO, Bob Chappick, he decided he decided he better come out of his silence. That never works. Particularly when homosexual activists or abortion activists are on a mission, they're not they're never satisfied. If they call for for some kind of a partnership or something as they did in Washington State some years ago in the run-up to so-called redefining marriage, if you give them some kind of a partnership, a domestic partnership, kind of a legal recognition, the next day in Washington State, and that's been that way in other states as well, they were calling for marriage. They said, oh, just give us a name. The Seattle Times came out the day after that domestic partnerships were approved in Washington State. They came out the next day, the Seattle Times, and said, give them the word marriage. Well, marriage is not just a word. It's an institution that God created himself. But that's lost in the furry of all these guys trying to push their agenda. And if you don't rise to the occasion and put everything that you have control over on the line, it's never enough. So that's what's happening in the happiest place on earth. Disney is desperate. They've dug a hole, and just as Scripture says, they have fallen into it. 
I have more to say, but we're out of time today. Thank you for being with me. It's always a privilege and a pleasure to spend these few moments with you. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.